With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Good evening, everybody. Happy Friday and welcome to this most special of emergency Line of Vienna Suite podcasts. We had planned on recording after the weekend when Wanderers faced Gillingham, but events have overtaken us today and, and we will come to those very, very shortly. But these are unusual times in which we live in, guys. So I'm very pleased to be joined tonight to discuss those times by James, our resident tech guru. James, good evening, mate. Uh, evening, Chris. How are you, bud? Yeah, all fine. Thank you, all fine. And then making his triumphant return is none other than Tom Jenkins, erstwhile host of this very same podcast. Tom, welcome back. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. I'm very upset that you took my job, but it does mean that I had to do a lot less preparation for this. Well, put it this way, pretty much everyone could do more than I'm doing at the minute. But then again, <laughs> these things these things do, we do tend to manage to, to swing through it. But I do, I do miss the structured days of the, the Jenkins era. But perhaps we'll get there one day once you've finished building a life for yourself down in London, which I hope is going very well. So, in order to keep things neat and tidy, we will just quickly gloss over the last couple of results, um, primarily because we lost them both heavily, but also because of, I think, the events of today, which we'll we'll come to in a few minutes, are are more pressing and of more interest. First and foremost, the Wigan game at home. I think we all rocked up there mildly confident. James, would you say, I, I wouldn't say I was there absolutely buzzing, I would have taken a point beforehand, but flipping it, we absolutely tated. Yeah, no, I, I wasn't I wasn't buzzing either, because we had a limp performance against them in the Cup, but that was both of our um, our second teams. I mean, I know we had a couple of players from our, from our backup team who played in that game, but even then, you still think, some of the players that we have starting, you think they could do a job, but... <laughs> how wrong we were, mm. and especially how wrong I was. Considering that I felt I was probably a bit more confident than you than you were heading into that. So yeah, it was. Indeed. We got thoroughly, thoroughly humbled, and it showed on everyone's faces. Indeed, we went into the game on the back of Ian Everts' bluster, shall we call it horseshit? <laughs> we might call it that we are the best team, in, that we were the best team in the division. Granted, we had a few. Half decent results and some good spells in those games, but Crikey O'Reilly, Tom, he, he's he's got a gob on him, hasn't he? He does, and the thing, and the problem is, what's fueling that gob is are the gobs of other managers in terms of Darren Moore saying we're the best team that they've played this season. Paul Warren saying that we're the best team that Rotherham have played this season. Was it? Um, oh God, I can't remember. There was another one who said something similar to that. It might have been Adkins at Charlton or something Sunderland like that. Sunderland. Sunderland. Well, yes, very, no, it was Johnson. It was Johnson. Yeah. yeah, you're right. And and they're always going to be very very positive about us because they beat us. <laughs> that, that makes that makes perfect sense. Um, I was at Sheffield Wednesday and we did play very very well. Um, we just couldn't score for love nor money, and we we couldn't have scored if we'd have continued playing right until the start of the Wigan game. Um, and that that worried me. But it was the kind of performance. If you remember last season when we um, were undeserved draw drawers at Bradford, 
uh, when Danny Rowe got that last minute goal, having absolutely pummeled them all game and deserved to win that match if we if we'd have managed to hold on to that one goal lead. We then responded by uh, blasting Cambridge out of the water, and they were obviously you know very very good side in the, in that division. So I was kind of hoping that you know with the with it being a derby, with it being that this is really pissing us off, we need to go in there and and put this right. You'd have thought that it might have come out in a different way, but. You know, McLean tore Brock back to pieces. The midfield was MJ Williams versus whoever. And uh, the two centre-halves decided to both have off days when previously it's been one of them exceptional and one of them maybe on an off day. Uh, and it all just culminated in a horrific performance. And the thing is, it's the third time now I would say that we've played in a match where we played someone that our fans genuinely dislike and really want to beat. And uh, Everett has failed on all three occasions. And it, it does irritate me that despite all of his bluster, he can't seem to get his players psyched up for a big derby game. It is definitely concerning. And, and having a Wigan supporting gaffer at work, it makes things all the more real when you well, turn but, up on Monday morning. Because if you went to that's a mistake. <laughs> I, was, I, had, I had booked myself a day off, my final day's leave of the year, and, and I, I did arrive in to an email with emojis, which sickened me in many ways. But there, there, there we are. <laughs> he's a much finer person than that I'll give him some credit despite his footballing leanings but no it was it was an incredibly disappointing performance and for me uh, the writing was on the wall in the first first five minutes before they even took the lead they just looked faster stronger better than us in every single position and I know James I'll, I'll just come to you on, on a little word on this before we move on to the next game but for all the jip that McLean gets Christ almighty can you imagine him and Dapo on opposite wings playing for us that would be an absolutely a sensational partnership <laughs> yeah, well, maybe maybe it was possible, but it, nope, wasn't to and, be. Yeah, it wasn't to be, and he probably would have gone down like house on fire with some members of our fan base anyway. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, the same members of the fan base didn't exactly shower themselves with with the same amount of glory that they showered the pitch with. Oh, um, God. it was a disgrace. A word, uh, a word or two on them, please, from you, mate. Well, well. Uh, I, I'm trying. Not, I'm trying myself not to get too angry, because uh, especially because some of the Wigan fans as, as well did the exact same thing that our stupid fans did at their ground, which was rip off signs off them, chuck them down mm. when they could have easily clattered someone in the back of the head when they were dropping from uh, the upper tier to the lower tier. So that was really stupid of them. But what were our fans thinking? Just constantly showering bottles down onto the pitch. I I genuinely cannot understand that thought process that thought process what the fucking hell were they trying to protest like we were really shit we can do that we got thoroughly humbled but is is that really the way to let out your anger i mean for christ's sake doyle and that were arguing fans they were telling them to stop 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 and and yet idiots there in the in the quote-unquote crazy corner um just just had the insistence to keep going we we got I don't know. They've not revealed the details of the fines, but we've probably been fined heavily for that kind of thing. Um, hopefully, everyone who was throwing shit on the pitch has been removed from that stadium because I've I've got no patience for them, and neither should the club. Uh, and it, it's just it's just an embarrassing look for us all around. It just added to the further humiliation that we got that day. So it it was just it was thoroughly unneeded and. Uh, I'm try. I'm trying not to get too enraged, but uh, <laughs> you've done a fine I job. I really, you... really hate our fans sometimes. 
yeah, and humiliation is a fantastic way to describe the whole entire afternoon. It was it was a colossal waste of time, and and fingers crossed, it's it's the it's the low point for the season. But in in the midst of uh, of low points, we travelled to a long long trip to Plymouth on Tuesday night. Uh, backed by a decent number of fans, I think it was six, seven hundred, from what I recall from uh, from reading online, uh, to see us face Plymouth. Plymouth, who of course are, are playing well at the minute, they managed by Ryan Lowe, who was allegedly up for the job before Ever took over, ex Berry boss, of course. Um, and fair to say, God, we had a very poor start again. And, and before we knew it, the heavens opened. It was three nil, and, and events in the uh, behind off the pitch that we weren't party to at the time were, were playing out. Going into that game, Tom, were you confident that Wanderers could bounce back from the every, every defeat against Wigan, bearing in mind that we were missing Jones and Santos, to name but two? I think that's the thing. Normally, after such a humbling performance, as you guys have described it, and it's, it's a very apt description, there's there's a bounce back. I think um good friend Alan Nixon was saying on Twitter in the in the prelim to the game, which nobody could believe that he backed us to, to come back with you know uh, some kind of performance or maybe get a dogged one nil or something in, in the crappy weather. But no, I think I think it was just perfectly set up for Plymouth to on their own pitch, which even if it is you know in farcical condition, you're always more likely to be able to adapt to those conditions better if you're at home. Um, they just took advantage of a you know a very very sickly and weak team um, who who went down there. It wasn't us. It wasn't the side that we're capable of putting out, and it just you know just spoke volumes to the fact that squad depth is a huge issue for the for the club. Really, our first eleven, I, I am confident, could beat anybody in this league. Um, it's proven that it can compete with anybody in this league so far. Um, but you know, in fast school conditions, and that third goal just showed how ridiculous it was towards the end. You know, if that game had kicked off, maybe I don't know, twenty minutes later, you probably would have considered possibly calling it off if it hadn't been so one-sided. Uh, you just, it was just a game that you need to just scrub from the memory banks, move on from, and we'd love to be able to move on from it. But as you've alluded to, Chris, you know, the events that transpired, what we presume to have transpired afterwards, mean that you know that that's going to possibly be a turning point in, in this mm. season. Indeed, and we'll speculate wildly on that in, in a few oh, minutes. Oh, yes, I look forward to it. My imagination's running wild. <laughs> but James, back to you before we get to that point. Obviously, he came into the game ever switching things up. He was without Jones and Santos for injury and suspension reasons. Doyle and Sarsevich missed out in the starting eleven. How surprised were you on Tuesday night to see that? See it make that, but let's see him make that particular change and get my teeth back in. Uh, well, Sarsevich, I wasn't as much as surprised with because the excuse given at the time was that he was playing injured we probably know why now why he, why he wasn't playing but at the time I thought yeah if he's playing injured I can see him being rested long trip to Plymouth um, other players coming back better than him you know Thomason made a decent impact when he enough impact when he came on at Wigan I thought maybe he'd be given the chance but no we had Kieran Lee back uh, Doyle maybe may more surprising than Sarsvich being dropped at the time because it he was desperate. He's been desperately out of form. The lad's not. Was it like ten games now? He's gone without a goal or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Along those lines, it's, it's a lot, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. For especially when you're supposed to be a goal-scoring striker. So seeing him dropped for Bakayoko wasn't the most surprising thing in the world. But considering how Everts usually been quite loyal, loyal to Doyle, it's uh, it, it. I suppose it was sort of surprising, but. But really, outside of that, it was mostly the team I was expecting. And again, it's just a if any, we just deserved to get to get bullied. Not not as much as it was yeah. against uh, Wigan, but we were clearly outclassed, and 
we we just same old problem. We whenever we 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 go behind, we just don't seem to have that impetus anymore to properly get back into the game. We keep fannying around too much, passing too much around the back, trying to create that perfect Wenger ball style goal, and it's it's just not happening for us. We need extra options. We need to think a bit more positively. You know, work work definitely yeah. work harder because our midfield is barely linking up with anyone at the moment. There's just a lot of issues that need need addressing, and whether that's going to be solved with bodies or whether that's going to be solved with just finally getting that goal that we need and kicking us up the arse, I don't know. But it but it all needs it all needs addressing, and whether and especially on the training ground or and in games. I just. I just want to be positive again because these last two weeks, have re- I dra- this last week or so, has dragged me down to the point where we were under key fill or when we were in absolute dog shit in the championship. And I don't, I don't want to be feeling that way on our podcast. It's and, nostalgic, and the thing is, but though, not Jim, in a good way. <laughs> no, exactly. And and the thing is, it's because we we have completely looked lost after going a goal down in um, the last three matches that we've lost. And yet we've gone a goal down in pretty much all of the games that we've played this season, including a lot of mm. victories, which is why it's it suddenly come under such scrutiny. And you wonder what the why the attitude has changed. You know, to, to come back from a goal down against uh, against MK Dons to, to get a point, against Wimbledon to get a point, against Oxford to win, against um, Charlton to win 4-1 in such convincing style. Where's that gone? And is it the personnel? Is, is it because there's stuff going on behind the scenes? You know, as Chris says, we can speculate wildly on that, but it is very very depressing to see us you know almost commit suicide in a way most definitely and and, and a shake-up i think was was needed but perhaps the shake-up came in the in a different format to what we're all expecting so i'll set the scene for you boys we've had the start and now it's time for the main dessert the main the main course <laughs> i was quite happily chilling at work today idly browsing through my spreadsheets that i needed to sort out and my phone pinged someone said oh, what's going on with sarsovic i was like I don't know what you're on about. You know, all I knew obviously is that he hadn't played on Tuesday and that uh, he was he was put in front of the press afterwards and and you know gave the usual sort of platitudes that footballers give. And that was about the last I thought of it ahead of Saturday. I thought well, he'll definitely be back in the team as well, Doyle. You know, we'll, we'll see how we get on. But no, it appeared that news was breaking all across the internet that Sarsovic was leaving. It's in itself pretty shocking given where we are in in terms of the season, in terms of his status in the squad but that he was leaving to join Stockport County of the Northern League, or National League, I should say. It mm-hmm. came out of the complete blue for me. Um, the rumours rumors were non-existent, so boys, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but this was a complete and utter shock. Um, a shake-up of the team most definitely was needed, but this is the last thing I suspected. Tom, what, 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 I don't even know what to, how, to put, how to frame it. Where were you when you heard that Sarsovic was leaving League One Bolton Wanderers as captain and pretty much a permanent <laughs> member of the team to join Stockport County on a free? Uh, I was sat in my living room, uh, idly, you know, trawling through some some some, uh, some CVs while I was working, uh, and just you know had that thing pop up on, on my phone from I think it was Eddie actually that alerted us to it that Football League World had uh, or Football Insider, one of the two, had you know released a story saying that Stockport were putting the finishing touches on a deal for Sarsovic, and to be honest. They're right quite a lot of the time, but that just seems so outlandish. And mm. one of the comments that I saw was, it's not April Fool's Day, lads, what are you playing at? Uh, and that's exactly how I felt, because it's just mad. James and I were saying before before we went on air, you know, it's one of those things 
that you could not possibly have predicted this morning. If someone had told me that before it happened, I'd have caught, I'd have you know rung up the insane asylum and, and booked them in into a nice hotel suite there. It was just incredible. And what what's more baffling about it is, as you say, no rumours whatsoever, no kind of inside information before this morning, and contracts don't come about that quickly. And tearing up of a contract doesn't come about that quickly either. You know, we, we see on deadline days where these kind of situations emerge. There's still a lot of planning that will have gone into those kinds of signings um, for them for them to get over the line in such quick fashion or seemingly quick fashion. So if the if the reports of a potential bust up on Tuesday night are true, then this must have been in the works yeah. before. Then surely it doesn't get done in three days. No, well the the hot rumours that that I've been listening to and that I've heard one or two of is that this was a this is a deal that was lined up for the end of the season. Stockport have got buckets of cash at the minute relative mm-hmm. to their their status. Sarsovic would have been out of contract at the end of the year and quite frankly at the moment wasn't playing himself into contention for a new one. And and so when that bust up took place, a, a phone call was made and that deal was brought forward, you know, to the to the present day. Um James, without wanting to ask you the same question your your response to the, your initial response to the to the, the news that Sarsvich was leaving Wanderers, please. Same as same as Tom, it was just one of those things where you're thinking, all right, what absolute muppet has just pulled this rumor out <laughs> of his ass? But, but then but then you find out two hours later, Bolton officially put out a statement saying Sarsvich has left for Stockport, and yeah. you're just thinking, what the bloody hell has happened in in this timeline to to lead to that? I I pretty much like Tom was echoing before um, from my from my conversation off recording. <laughs> this kind of thing can't have just happened in a couple of days. If there was a bust up no. after Plymouth, um, I I hadn't heard that rumor that apparently was lined up at the end of the season or end of summer or whatever it was. But yeah, these kind of things don't don't just happen in a few days. Um, he's cl- either he's been. Con- either he's been consistently talking with Stockport over this period or um, like you say it was it was accelerated or but but how the hell does does the captain of Bolton Wanderers move <laughs> to move to a, to a team two divisions lower than us in the three months into a season that, that that's that's the kind of comedy shit that you would see on Ted Lasso didn't someone yeah. say that it was like someone moving from Arsenal to Accrington Stanley? Yeah, exactly. And and it, it's I I don't oh it, you can see you, you can see by exactly you can see by my words how just confusing and baffling it is. So I can't even imagine what's what it's been like handling it behind the scenes. No, and, and as as someone who's not never been particularly blown away by his performances on the pitch, the fact that he's left is. He's neither here nor there. I think the story itself is what is what's more important in this sort of scenario. For him to to be so integral and play every single game that he, he could play when fit last season, to then pretty much the same occurring this season, there was no inclination that that he was anything other than a a regular first teamer. And the fact that he was dropped on Plymouth was maybe ever putting a statement out there. Drops the assumption down. Nobody's untouchable. Don't care how important you were last season. How pally I am with you. Everyone's got a. a that fight for the place and that sort of message I think is perfectly fair to give out after you've just been pumped 4-0 at home by biggest rivals if rumour be true and he has seen his arse after that then quite frankly he can he can, he can go to Stockport with my blessing because we, we're trying to build something bigger and better and what we don't want is people in the squad in vital positions who would be happy to drop four divisions three divisions whatever it might be You know, we should be looking up we should be looking forward I think 
what you said, Tom, previously it echoes my thoughts entirely. On our best day, we can beat anybody in the squad. What we probably need is people who have their best days more often than mm-hmm. not, or have their better days more often than bad days. And unfortunately for me, I think I've seen Sarsovic blow hot and cold far too often for him to be a player that I'm losing any sleep over leaving. I've seen him play brilliantly once. On it. I've mm. seen him play brilliantly once, and that that was the Crawley game where you needed your captain to stand up and put in a proper performance, and he was utterly superb that day. And I and it was one of those things where. Having signed him in the summer and seen far too often us having the likes of, you know, Jay Spearing and Jason Lowe in, in that kind of midfield central captain position, um, be blown away by other um, similar kind of players for other teams who then just take the game by the scruff of the neck and, and run it for them. Uh, I, I'd watched that too many times and thought that Sarsovic was going to come into us and be that bloke. And he wasn't that bloke until the final game of last season, frankly. As many as semi-decent performances of the ability to do the Kevin Nolan thing and be anonymous and pop up with a goal, um, it, it doesn't really cut it for me if you're only going to play one really, really good game in the 50-odd that he played for us. Uh, and this is the thing. People are going to get on his back because he is that kind of player who, as you say, does blow hot and cold and can do the exceptional whilst also being totally anonymous. Uh, and that cuts it in League Two and National League. But he's been found out when he got promoted with both with Fleetwood and Plymouth before at League One level. And despite having a, a reasonable start in terms of goal output, um, he's been found out again at this level. And I think yeah. he's probably decided that he wants to go somewhere else where he doesn't need to deal with the pressure, doesn't need to deal with the hassle and can go and have a reasonable career on a good wage at a club that's you know close to him. And that's absolutely fine. But frankly, you don't. if, if your manager and your captain fall out to the degree that we believe they must have fallen out for this move to have happened so quickly, then he can't be in the dressing room anymore. Simple as that. Totally agree. And, and James, I think I'll come to you in a second just on, on your... But your opinion of the impact this will have on the remaining net fixtures and on the midfield. But a stat that's been shared widely tonight, I want to just bring to your attention, Tom, before I do move on, that with Sarsovic, he's played 44, we've won 17, lost 17. Win percentage of just shy of 39%. Without Sarsovic, played 23, won 14 and lost only 5. So a win percentage of almost 61%. That startled me a little bit. A, I didn't think he'd missed 23 games. But well, that just goes to show that out of the sort of 70 games he's played for Wanderers overall, he's missed nearly a third through injury. Yeah, uh, and I think we noticed last season there were times when he was sort of playing through the pain. He played through the pain in the Wigan game and it, and it showed in his performance. Um, you know, he is getting towards that age where, you know, the, these niggles do become a little bit more problematic. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm looking at that stat now and... and it does confirm kind of what we've been saying and that we do look potentially a more um, fluid outfit, certainly in the midfield when he's not there. You know, James and I said before we started recording that while a midfield three of William Sheehan and Lee, you know, there's propensity for Sheehan and Lee to get in each other's way in 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 that kind of uh, in that kind of midfield, whereas Sarsovic plays a completely different role and therefore doesn't necessarily occupy the same space. But I don't think he's got the uh, necessary skills on the ball, nor you know the actual positional sense to to play the role that Everett was trying to get him to play, and he would he would pop up over the course of this season with you know seven to ten goals of that. I have absolutely no doubt playing in a quite attacking side. Um, but I think we'd lose more than we win because it just sort of set the, the balance out of whack. And I think mm. those stats reflect that. Very much so, very much so. So you, you've commented then on the remaining players left behind and we'll throw Thomason in the mix there mm-hmm. uh, up to January because quite frankly, we don't have any anyone else that we can register between now and then. But James, now now Southwich is gone, 100% confirmed he's gone. 
what's your ideal midfield looking like? Is it a three? Do we go do we go four and play two up front? What what would you do if you were in a hot seat? Uh, personally, I don't think we're really in the unless some it's been uh, worked on on the training ground. I don't think we're in the position to change formation from the midfield three. So I'd what? have to I'd have to stick with the MJ Lee and Sheehan thing. Although I would be tempted to try Thomason in that position. Or, or mm. maybe in December when Darcy's back from his loan, maybe try him in one of those positions. But yeah, it's it's just the timing more than anything, isn't it? It's just incredibly bad timing, especially when um, t- we've got tut out for at least another two months. So we're de- so that's already down to four centre mids, and um, Lee, Lee can be injury prone. Uh, Sheehan, has, Sheehan hasn't really kicked on from his great start to the season. Thomason's barely played first-team football this season. MJ's mm. really really been the only consistent player in that team, so it 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 just bought. It's just like I say, it's just incredibly, incredibly bad timing. But but I I, I didn't see the other side of that start. I, I saw the first one where when he played it was seventeen, twelve, seventeen, or something like that. But without, but without him, I didn't think our win percentage was that high. Maybe it's flattered a bit because I know he was injured for a fair amount of games during our incredible the, the first half of last season. Yeah, exactly. So we, he was out when we were playing our best. Whether the two are connected or not, you can draw your own conclusion. Yeah, yeah, I th- yeah. I think it just might be inflated by the fact that we just completely revamped our team and with great quality players for that level. But so, but but still, even without that. Maybe it will be a blessing in disguise. Maybe we can um, get in an even better midfielder in January, or like I say, either Thomason or Darcy steps up uh, in in his place, or or we change or we change formation and adapt. It I I honestly can't really say right now. We'll probably have a better idea after the Gillingham game or the game after um, what that what that kind of plan is. But yeah. as for right now, it as for right now. Well, all I can really hope is that it just works out for all parties involved. Yeah, and we've got a game coming up on Saturday, so we'll, we'll soon find out what that revamp midfield looks like. But um, a side effect to this has obviously necessitated a change in captaincy. So, Tom, where do you, are you happy with the decision to go with Santos? Um, personally, if I may say, I think Williams or Lee might have been my choice. Um, but that's only based on spurious assumptions about Sense's character from seeing him play a few times in the flesh. Mm-hmm. But, does that sort of thing bother you? Do you think Santos might be a good choice? Do you think it might bring out the best in him? Uh, it's one of those, isn't it? You don't know until you try. Um, if memory serves, he captained the side a couple of times um, last year in, in um, Sarsovic's absence. I think also during that period when Doyle wasn't there. Or maybe Baptiste got the arm bad. He might just be making that up. But yeah, you know, having having a commanding centre-half as your skipper has worked for a lot of very successful sides. Um, I don't necessarily get the massive leadership qualities from, from Rico because I, I think he's that kind of... Rio Ferdinand defender who's either exceptional or doesn't know, you know, his ass from his elbow, um, which mm. is which is my main concern. Um, in terms of levels of consistency, Williams has got to be up there. But again, he doesn't strike me as maybe like the leader type. Then you know, don't get me wrong, you don't need to be a baller and a shouter to be a leader in a team. But I think given that he's been the person who's probably not had a, a poor game all season, maybe giving him the captaincy might mess that up, like it tends to do with um, England cricket captains. Uh, and Lee, again, been there and done it, but isn't necessarily the kind of bloke who 
uh, strikes you as a leader and also isn't necessarily going to be fit every single week, which which I think therein lies the issue here. It's all well and good as saying, as we have done, that starting eleven, including that midfield three of Sheehan, Williams and Lee, could be could be exceptional. Lee's not going to be able to do that week in, week out. He's, he's of the Wes Houlihan mould. Uh, albeit you know five years younger but with the amount of injuries he's had probably similar <laughs> kind of situation in yeah. terms of his legs having gone so you, you your skipper's got to be a, one of the people whose first name on the team sheet which probably helps with Sarsovic going because there has to be an argument as to whether he should have been one of the first names on the team sheet certainly removes that conversation doesn't it from from the agenda so we'll, time will tell and we'll see yeah we'll see come Saturday what what sort of influence a change in leadership has on the pitch but in respect to going forward then, James, we've got the transfer window more or less, well, kind of coming on the horizon, shall we say, a little bit. We're still a couple of months away, obviously. But in, in terms of, of replacing Sarsovic, we've got zero options between now and then, what with, with uh, Darcy, politics, etc., being out on loan. But do you look for new blood or do you look for reinforcements in else, elsewhere on the pitch? So a new striker, for example, and then use loan recalls which I assume exist on Darcy and politics and reintegrate those guys into the team. Uh, well, Darcy's going to be back from his loan in uh, in November anyway, because Norway's season ends then because of the winter. Ah, okay. So we'll have him back early anyway. Uh, politic. I, I the politic situation is interesting because obviously he's not signed his extension yet. But I think with this kind of situation and um, how we might struggle from here from here a bit on out, we'll, we'll see. But I would just offer him the extra uh, money and bring him back in January anyway. Yeah. That that's just me. But um, I've heard I've heard that we might be in for Anthony Hartigan from uh, AFC Wimbledon to replace Sarsvic in January. So we'll see if that pans out. Because there was ben- a link. When was that link? That was a, about a month ago, wasn't it? When that first came out, I thought never never heard of him. Yeah, um, I remember that being a, a, a summer a link in the it was summer. A Nixon as well. story, wasn't it? Was it a Nixon story? I think so. So yeah, yeah so yeah, whether that gets um, uh, brought back up again, we'll see. But we definitely, we definitely need at least one body in in midfield, just 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 to cover numbers, at, at the very least. Yeah. Um, uh, but I'd agree. I'd agree that we should get a new striker in anyway, because right now Kachunga ain't doing it. Uh, Delfonso doesn't seem to be getting a sniff, and <laughs> Bakayoko, based purely just based on his performances against Wigan and and Plymouth, probably should not be in the team either at the moment. That's mad, isn't it? Though that's mad. How I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I was not happy when we originally signed him because I just looked at his goal record and thought, what the hell's the point? Um, and he proved me wrong in those first couple of games that he played because he just looked like well, he looked like an animal, yeah. didn't yeah. he? He was yeah, just he was just it, so driven. Yeah, maybe his injury just completely disrupted him because he was in good looking form. Um, I was hoping that form had continued though when he uh, scored two against Liverpool's kids. But the context there is that it's Liverpool's kids. Liverpool's kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's easy for you to bully uh, people when you're twice the size of the the player on the pitch. So, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully, someone will come to form between then and January. Doyle starts scoring again, or you know, someone just starts bagging. Dapo starts bagging again, or yeah. or someone. But it's it's no one's going to deny that between now and January, it's going to be a tough couple. It's going to be a tough couple of months. I don't know whether or not it's the big impact that he leaves on the pitch as opposed to off it, because not only is he clearly a big personality there, but what kind of precedent does it set? 
that even if this move was in the works for you know a while beforehand, as Chris, you've alluded to, your captain slags off the manager. There's a bit of a bust up. You know, we're assuming that there was nothing overly violent there. You know, well maybe it was. I don't know. But you know, Rico walking into that captaincy job knows now that if he speaks out against the manager, it could be out the door within a few yeah. days. Like it just that it, that might be an extreme example, but it is an odd precedent to be setting, especially given where he's gone to. Hundred percent, and and it's one of those ones, isn't it, where we can we can look to, to see if the if the truth of the matter comes out in the in the wash. But between us all, I think we'll probably agree that it's more important we look forward and we we start getting results on the pitch because hundred percent. Although the situation's not desperate, we are you know we are mid table. We're not we're not flirting with relegation by any stretch after thirteen fourteen games, but we are what we're. Wait, eighteen we're, points. We're on, we're on eighteen. We're on a points. downward spiral at the moment, at the very least. We are, we are. We're only a couple, of, a couple of other losses on the trot for, for the usual sort of murmurs to start coming out about the manager's future, for example. But Chillingham, we, we, we face tomorrow. They've only won three out of fourteen all season, so I think we all know what that means. Hundred percent, we're going to lose. Tomorrow. <laughs> Welcome to Bolton. Indeed, I've had a quick gander through Gillingham's squad. There's not many players I recognise in there. <laughs> Funnily enough, Reese Bennett's there, who we recognised from Bolton Wanderers days of old. So that'd be nice to see how he's getting on. He was a really highly rated prospect back in his day, and it never quite worked out for him. But Tom, what do you think? How do you think the game's going to go? What give us a score prediction? I mean, they're there for the taking, but then again, so are we. Given the current circumstances and our current form, uh, we're at home. Uh, you'd like to think that we'd come away with a two-nil comfortable win, but. Uh, I, I honestly don't know. This has made tomorrow's game a massive, massive unknown. And I, if you know, I were a betting man and I was seeing the odds that Skybet were offering on Gillingham, which I think was something like four to one to win tomorrow, that's Ooh. worth a fiver. Interesting, interesting. For myself, again, I, I, you know, as of nine o'clock this morning, I was quietly confident that we'd come back and come back roaring, and that the lads had I'd have something to prove. But now I'm starting to wonder whether that's that's the wisest thing in the world. But James, for yourself, give us a score prediction. Uh, for, for, well, from what I've heard, uh, Gillingham are, you know, the the bully up front kind of team because they got Vidal and Oliver up front. So, mm-hmm. um, so you you'd think that we'd hopefully counter that by playing more on the ball. But the problem is, we're, we're all, like I was like we were saying before, we're heavily out of form. We've been fanning around too much with that possession based style and. So 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 either we get a resurgence from Rico being captain, or we just continue our our plummeting our plummeting down the league. So, but I want I want to try and be confident about this. So I'm gonna go for a two-one win to Bolton. You know, give us a maybe this is the kick up the ass we need. I really hope it is. Otherwise, I'm just gonna look like a riot mug. Hopefully, it can whatever be hugely size... toxic as well. Yeah, can be hugely toxic. Oh, this ain't going to be toxic, mate. Toxic is when we play Stockport on the seventh. <laughs> oh, you've you've stolen my closing lines. I really look forward to the FA Cup in a couple of weeks. But <laughs> as, as, as an aside, Skybet have currently got ten to one, both a nil-nil draw and a one-nil away victory, depending on how brave, <laughs> on how brave you think it might be. I think the nil-nil might be looking tasty for a couple of quid from my perspective. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Oh, God. I agree with you, though, James. You know they're going to clearly, as they have done, hoof it up to the Dane Oliver and see how it works. Um, we've been bullied the last two games, to be honest with you, and that could well play into their favour. We're undoubtedly got more quality in our side, but 
quality doesn't mean not anything if you if you haven't got a fight in you and that very much yeah, depends on I, 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 don't, I don't put Dan Oliver at the same level as uh, Ch- as Charlie White and Will Keane and all that and like, I, I'd say Dan Oliver's better than Charlie White mate <laughs> Charlie White's a donkey well, the game the game will be a matter of hours away by the time you hopefully get this in your earworms, guys. And it's going to be one of those ones where we sink or swim. And, and fingers crossed we can pull that back because it would seem such a shame to let events off the pitch derail what we've achieved so far this season, which is certainly nothing to be sniffed at. But we will see. This is Bolton Wanderers. Absolutely anything could happen. You know, the, the predictions are nil-nil could end up being a 5-0. I won't say which way I think it might go. But you just never know with the Whites, do you? But... On, the, on that basis, fellas, I think we've uh, we've discussed this one to death, and I'm, I'm grateful for you joining me this at this time on a Friday night. And forgive me for being ever so slightly late to the podcast that I arranged. Actually, was the one that arranged in the first place. So, thank you very much for joining me on a Friday night, guys. It's been brilliant. And as always, you can find us at the L- Line of Vienna STE on Twitter. The BWSC hashtag has been absolutely on fire today. So I'm going to go downstairs, open a beer, and spend a bit of time reading it and shaking my head. So join us next time as. We, the Line of, the Line of Vienna Sweet Podcast boys, discuss everything in the wild, weird, wild and wonderful world of Bolton Wanderers. Good night.